Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good morning, church. I came to the men's breakfast yesterday to serve them, and I was very pleased to see them eating their fruit and yogurt (laughs) before their sausage and bacon. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a great morning. And um, I did have an ulterior motive because, of course, we couldn't collect up their plates, which meant I had to listen to the message as well from behind the curtain. So that was very encouraging. Church, um, we're in this series of... um, Love is, and Mark's done two already. If you haven't heard them, please go to the podcast and listen. He, he's talked about love being um, something that's misunderstood, and I don't think there's anybody here who's never been misunderstood in their life. We, we think and talk about love as if uh, we know what it means, but it means many different things to many different people. And last week he talked about sacrificial love and the love of Christ. And so listen to those if you haven't already listened to them. But this morning I want to talk about love as restoration. After the announcements, that is. (laughs) Love as restoration. You know, the goal of God is restoration. God is in the restoration business. And I want us to have a think about what is restoration this morning. And I can only give you snippets in 30 minutes. I can only give you snippets. But I hope I give you some snippets this morning that you want to take home and that you want to think about and dwell on and and soak in and bring those into your life because that is what will bring the change that we need in our lives. Love is restoration. What does restoration mean? Restoration means the action of returning something to a former owner, a former place or a former condition. God is in the business of returning us to our former owner, to our former place and to our former condition. That is what God is committed to. And if you look um, at those first two letters, R and E, It's interesting to know what those two letters mean as a prefix to a word because those two letters are in so many words in the Bible and we need to understand, and in everyday life, we need to understand what they mean. So what does RE mean? It means once more or again and again or afresh. So if we think about some of the words in Scripture that God has used, think about redeem. So it means to make amends for our bad behaviour or performance. What is God saying? He's saying again and again, I want to make amends. I want to make amends for your state, for where you are. What about return? It means to go back to a person. God is saying again and again, I want you to come back. Um, What about reward? That means recognition of service. God's saying again and again, again and again, I want to reward you for the service that you show to me. What about reconcile? It means to restore or to settle relationships. God's saying again and again, I want to restore friendships and relationships. What about renew? 
Renew means to establish. Again and again, God's saying, I want to establish. I want to go back. Revive. I want to restore to life. Over and over, again and again, God says. What about recompense? It means to make amends. What about recover? To regain possession of or return to. Do you get what I'm saying? God is not giving up. His, his word is full of over and over, again and again, I'm reaching out again and again. I want to restore. I want to redeem. I want to bring back. I want to put it back into the state that it was with your former owner in a former place and in a former condition. That is what God is saying when he says he wants to restore. He's in the business of bringing things back to how they intended to be. So in order to understand that, we need to ask two questions. What does God want to restore to us? In other words, what did we lose? If you don't know what you lost, how do you know if you found it? So you have to know what we've lost. And then what does God want to restore to us? In other words, what did we leave? We need to, I'm going to look at these two questions this morning and make some attempt to bring some answers to these because scripture says this. It says, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not yeah. those who were lost, but that which was lost. Yeah. If we don't know what we've lost, how do we know when we found it? And Jesus came to seek, to look for and to redeem what we lost and give it back to us, and to restore us to himself, to our place, and to a condition. And that's what Jesus came to do. And ultimately, yes, of course, that verse is about people. But it's not just, if we just think it's about bringing people in, and we don't know what we lost, we'll never look for it, and we'll never find it. So what was God looking to restore? If we go back into Genesis, we can look up about the um, when God created the heavens and the earth and his intention. His intention was to establish his government on earth from heaven. So what Jesus, what God did when he created the earth was his intention was to bring the government of God onto earth. And who was he going to use to govern the earth? Mankind. So he wanted us to be in a governmental position on the earth. And if we look at chapter one, it tells us that he made the land and the sea and the day and the night and the rivers and the trees and the plants and the creatures, and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And he prepared it all ready for us on the earth. And it says this is the account. But if you look at verse five, it said, but there was no shrub that had appeared yet on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up from the for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth. Why did God not send rain on the earth? Why did he prepare it all, put all the seeds in the ground, put everything ready, get everything prepared and then say stop? He hadn't sent rain on the earth because there was one thing missing that he still had to create. And he goes on to say here, because there was no one to work the ground. And to work means to take care of, to preserve, to govern and to have dominion. So God said, I've prepared it all. I've set it all up, but I'm not going to get it started yet because there's no one to govern it. There's no one to look after it. There's no one to take care of it. And we don't do a good job of taking care of our world. It's just as much our responsibility as it is all those protesters up in London to take care of the world. But the God has given mankind the responsibility to preserve it and to govern it and to have dominion over it. And so 
it says that then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of it. In other words, to govern it on his behalf. He made it, he prepared it, he set it all up. He put us there and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to govern earth on my behalf. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. And that was his intention for us. And when Adam ate the tree, ate from the tree, he actually rebelled against God and he and God's instructions. And because of that, he put himself outside the government of God. And God said, because you've done that, I can't let you live in the garden anymore because you're not willing to live under my government. So what did God do? He took him outside of the garden. He said, I can't let you stay there. Any more than if you're a foreigner living in our country and you do not want to follow and obey our government and our laws and our principles and the way we are, you will be expelled. You cannot live in a place and not live under its government. And we're talking about the government of the kingdom of God. It's an invisible realm. But if we want to live in the place that God intended us to be, and if we want to take our seat in the government, we have to live under the governmental instruction of God, in the, under um, the Holy Spirit. And so when Adam rebelled, this is what he did. It said, um, rebellion is an act of armed resistance to an established government or leader. Now, Adam did not get his weapons out in his rebellion and resistance. How did Adam rebel? He rebelled through his will. He said, I won't do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Metaphorically, that's what he said. And so he decided through his own will to not follow God. And because of that, he was put outside the garden. Now, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How has that happened? Because we're all born of Adam and we're all born outside the garden. We're born into that state that Adam put us into by rebelling against God. What God wants to do is restore us back into the garden, into our governmental position, into the authority that he established and put on the earth. How do we get back the same way that Adam got out through our free will? through our decisions, through our choices, through our surrender. Adam chose to disobey God. We have to choose to obey him, to come back, to, through our will, to say, God, your will be done. I want to seat in your government. When we resist God's government over us, we rebel using our free will and the choices that we make. The Bible calls this sin. Now, people don't like to hear that word. If you talk about sinners and hell and people don't like all that. But actually, that's what the Bible calls it. But it is rebellion. It's rebellion against the government of God and the authority of God in our lives. And, And because of Adam, we're all in that position. And he couldn't be allowed to live in the garden because he would um, eat of the tree of life. And that would have given him eternal life, which God couldn't allow him to have in disobedience. We all need to realise that you can't live in God's kingdom and not accept his government. If your life is powerless, it's because you're not living under the government of God. You're living under your own choices and your own decisions and out of relationship with God. In the same way that you can't live in this country if you don't want to live under the government of this country. So in order to restore us back, we have to make some choices. We have to be what the Bible calls being born again. 
What does that mean? It means being born again back in the garden, allowing God through our surrender to the decision of our will to put us back, to restore us to the position and the place and the condition that we started out as. That's what God wants for us and for our lives. And so for many in this room and for me in September 1977, I just simply prayed, God, put me back. God, I want to come back to you. I know I'm not in relationship with you. I want to come back to you. I surrender. What I actually said to God, and I was 21 at the time, and I just remember I said, God, if you do this for me, if you change my life, I will serve you all the days of my life. And that's never had a reason to change my mind. We sung this morning, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. A decision to follow God and in his governmental position. It's not a here today, gone tomorrow decision. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifetime of following God. And so for many of you, I know you've done that, but actually your life is still powerless. The church is impotent in this country. What are we doing? Are you sitting in your governmental position? Have you got your seat in government? Are you sitting and taking decisions in God's government? Are you letting the kingdom of God in heaven come on earth through you? Is it changing your life? Is it changing your life around the lives of others around you? Because I put a new sign over my life. I said, I'm under new management now. I'm being managed by God. I'm under new management. I'm not going to manage myself. What um, Neil said this morning about our finances and our, you know, we have to think differently in the kingdom of God. What does God say about it? And we are so full of what the world tells us to do. We are squeezed into the world's mold, into the visible realm. But God functions in the invisible realm. But his word is full of truth. When we take his truth and we apply it to our lives, our lives begin to change. When the world says this about me, I say, no, God says this about me. When the world tells me to do this, I say, no, God says, tells me to do this. I'm going to do that. But we are so conformed to the image of the world that the church is impotent. And we, yesterday, I was listening to that message that you were talking to the guys about, about reading the word of God, about getting into the word of God. We call it Bible study and everyone says, no, thanks. When we talk about it as opportunity and life-giving spirit and change in our life and power and authority, it becomes a totally different ballgame. Why do we not want to get into the word? Why do we come on a Sunday? You know, we need power in this world needs the power of God. And it's going to come through the church. It's not going to come through the local theatre. God wants to put us back into our governmental position on the earth where he originally set us out to be, in relationship with him, with power and authority and dominion over circumstances, over situations. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to set the captives free. Why are we not healing the brokenhearted? Why are we not setting the captives free? Why are we not helping the blind eyes to see and the deaf ears to hear? Why are we not transforming the world through the power of God? Because we're too busy living in the world, being transformed by the world instead of by the kingdom of God and allowing God to have his way in our life. So what was lost that Jesus came to seek and save? It was to restore our relationship to God. 
There are people who've been in the church for years and years and years and still don't have a relationship with God. It comes through surrender and decision. It's no good just putting up your hand and then saying, that's it, guys, I've done it, and now the rest of my life I'll carry on. No. By their fruit, your life will change. Your life will be transformed. You will live above the circumstances. You will live in plenty. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Exactly what Neil said. There is abundant life. There is life that that God wants us to enjoy and to have. And he wants us, like yeast in the bread, to spread out through the world. Our lives should be transforming Bromley. How different is Bromley because we are here? Bromley should be transformed because we are here. How different is Bromley because of us? How different is your street because of you? How different is your workplace because of you? How different is your school because of you? We should have the transforming power of Christ in our lives, affecting the world. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The world will tell you that there's many ways to God. The Bible tells us there's one. There's one way to the Father and it's through the Son. It's through Jesus Christ. We either accept it or we don't accept it. But it's through that door, through that gate of Jesus Christ that we actually come to know the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We've just celebrated Easter. We've just celebrated the death and resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. So why did he die? He had to die to restore us back to relationship with him. Why? Because Romans tells us this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what did Jesus do? He said, I'm going to take, pay the price. The wages that are due to you for your sin, for your rebellion, for being born outside the garden, even though it wasn't my fault. Jesus, I just love that song we sung this morning and the words were um, something like, um, you've placed a crown of beauty upon my guilty head. I just stirred my spirit. God saw me before time began sitting outside the garden and he said, I'm going to put a crown of glory on your head because I know that there'll be a way for you to get back in. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to pay the price for you that you should pay for living here and I'm going to pay that price not just for you but for all mankind, past, present and future so that what? So that if you're willing to turn, there'll be a way back in. If you're willing to surrender, there'll be a way back in. So Jesus had to die because the result of our sin was death. Jesus had to overcome death. And we know that that death for us was both physical and spiritual because physically we all have a finite amount of time on this earth. But it was spiritual death. When, when Adam put himself or got outside of the garden, he broke the relationship that he had with God. Um, And so Jesus had to deal with the wages of sin and he overcame death. And instead of death being the end result, it became a door of opportunity. A door of opportunity for those, for whosoever would come, the Bible says, whosoever would come and surrender their life to Christ. Scripture tells us it's the door. And Christ took our sin and our rebellion and he paid the price to position us back where he wanted us to be. So the second question then, what does God want to restore to us? What did we leave? What did we leave that God wants to give us back? 
He wants to restore to us our place in his government. He wants to restore dominion. He wants to restore rulership. He wants us to be able to reign in life. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. He says this in Isaiah, For unto us a son is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And I've put in there what shoulder means. It means a place of strength. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So God says, when Jesus is born and the son is given, the government, the place of strength, he's going to bring back into the world for mankind that place of strength. It'll be on his shoulders, the government he's bringing back. And it says, and the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice and henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus came back and he brought back onto the earth because he came in a physical being. He brought back onto the earth the government of God. That place of strength for us on this earth that he wanted us to have. One thing we must remember is that the restoration is the gift of the restorer. You know, I meet so many people in life who say, oh, I'm not good enough for God. Well, the news is none of us are. None of us are. All of us were born in Adam. All of us were born outside of the garden, not through our choice, but through what Adam did. And therefore, restoration is the gift of the restorer. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. You can do nothing. You can only receive it. Um, And we need to receive it by opening up our hearts, by surrendering to him, by living in his word. We're all in the same boat. We have all sinned. We have all rebelled. We have all fallen short of God's expectation for us. And the only way we can receive that restoration is to accept it but we have to realize we need it Matthew says God blesses those who are poor and realize their need of him do you realize even if you're a believer this morning do you realize your need of him do you do you live your life as though you realize your need for him take what um, Neil said this morning is your finances governed governed by the word of God is your life governed by the word of God Is the people you associate and the things that you do and the way you live your life and your purpose in life, is it all governed by the word of God? Because if it's not, you don't recognise your need of him. You're still living life in the way that you want to live it. And God, first of all, the first step is to recognise that you need God. And then the second step is to surrender to it. So many people are battling life circumstances. Why do we have to counsel people in the church? So many people over the years I have counselled in the church. Why are we counselling people in the church? Do I have more access to God than you? Do I have more access to the kingdom than you? No. What did we sing this morning? Christ is enough for me. You can access God as much as I can. You can be restored as much as I can. You can be put back into the place that God wanted you to be as much as I can. If the church is broken, how on earth is the church going to fix the world? If we are not strong, if we are not taking our seat in government, how on earth are we going to change the world? How on earth are we going to influence the world? 
We're not. We are totally impotent when we're not functioning in our governmental seat that God has restored us to. Many of us don't know that that's where we, we should be. Knowing who we are in him and the place that he's given us in government means that we can live differently on earth. We live from a totally different dimension. We live with totally different principles. We live with totally different realities. And sometimes our reality is unseen. But that's the reality for us. No longer is the world the reality. The reality is the truth of the word of God. And a a government is a system of administration and authority. So our lives become an outworking of his truth. Not just for ourselves, but for other people around us. How much truth is there in the way you are and the way you behave and the way you act and the things that you do? Because our lives should be an outflowing of God's truth because that's where the power is in God. When we're doing what God requires of us, you will see the power of God. Jesus only did the things he saw his father do. So if we're doing what we know God has called us to do, looking at it from our governmental position with the authority that God has given us, with the power that God has given us, with the truth that God has given us, we will see change. We will impact the earth. We'll be taking the truth into the world. Everything that Jesus did, he did using his authority. He restored many who were sick, didn't he? He restored many who were blind. He restored people back from death to life. He restored a system of repairing relationships. He restored forgiveness. He restored grace. He restored our position in our relationship with himself. Do you want to join me, band, please? God asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was. He knew where Adam was hiding, but he said, where are you, Adam? What was he asking for? Because he was saying, Adam, where are you in your relationship to me? He knew that his relationship had broken down. God knew, God saw him hiding in the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? Where are you in relationship to me? And God is still saying that and I'm going to say it to you this morning. Where are you in relationship to God? Where are you? Are you hiding? You could have been sitting in this church as long as I have and you can still be hiding. Where are you in your relationship to God? Where are you? Are you hiding? You know, you can so easily act. Christians are very good at acting. We've got this great Christianese language that we speak. We're very good at acting. But tell, I'm not fooled by all this. You know, I've seen hundreds of people like this over the years. And where are they now? Where are you in your relationship with God? And we sometimes wonder why life has dealt us a bad hand. We sometimes wonder why there's no power in our lives. We sometimes wonder why we have authority over nothing. And we're subject to the will of our flesh and our desires, which are so powerful. And we never seem to get victory over our circumstances. Well, maybe we need to ask ourselves that question again. Where am I in relationship to God? Where am I? Am I restored I know that most people in this room have given their lives to Christ. Let me ask you, are you sitting in your governmental position in Christ? 
Are you sitting in God's government? He has restored you. He has put you there. You just don't see yourself there. He has seated us together with him where? In heavenly places. We're sharing the same seat. And he's given us a governmental seat to sit on with him, to rule and to reign over life and to ensure that the kingdom of God that he set up on heaven is is administered on earth. We only have to turn to him. We only have to draw near to him, he says, and he'll draw near to us. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Jesus. And Jesus said, I have given it to to you. I want you to administrate it on earth on my behalf. Church this morning, our country is in such a mess. Our world is in such a mess. If we truly believe the local church is the hope of the world, then we will look to be where we should be and direct our lives into that position that God has restored us to by his love and by his grace. Amen.